I appreciate so much being able to come and share. You know, a while back, Pastor Jay mentioned to all of us that he felt like the Lord spoke to him about really over a year ago and said, God is about to take Kingwood through a time of renewal, a renewal time. And he heard that from the Spirit himself. And um, I believe that we are in the beginnings of that very thing. And if there's anything we need to know, it's who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and how He's doing it among us. So that's why we decided to craft together by His leading a, a, a sort of an, a teaching for the month of February about the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit series. Uh, we began it two weeks ago by introducing the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You know, it's real easy to understand the first person of the Trinity, the Father, because we've all either had a father or, well, we all have had a father, but we've either had a good father or a bad father. We've had a father. We understand the idea of father. We understand the idea of son because, well, the Bible has given us a picture of a a man. In fact, in the first century, people touched him and, and heard him speak. He was a real person. But wow, that whole ghosty, wispy, Holy Spirit thing. What in the world is that? How do, you, how, do you, how do you wrap your hands around it? Even the Bible itself says that you don't know where he's coming from and where he's going. It's, it's just, it's sort of nebulous. Well, what God has done is he's given us symbols in the Scripture to sort of let us be able to get our minds around who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Um, God gave us physical things. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Holy Spirit as wind. Holy Spirit as wind. And we were challenged to raise our sail. Because when you raise our sail to the wind, we give God the right to give us direction. We give God the right to give us the speed and the destination we're going. And that's what God's tried to get us to do. Raise our sail. Pastor Jay told me he was at the grocery store one day and somebody on the same aisle goes, Hey, I'm raising my sail. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit as water, the most used symbol of all. I mean, water, rain, river, flood, pool. We, we, we saw all of those words that represent the Holy Spirit as water. We talked about spiritual dehydration and how you can be dehydrated spiritually in the middle of a church. We talked about the question, have you ever been thirsty? Really thirsty. We even talked about how to pray for God to increase our thirst for the Holy Spirit, the only one that can quench the thirst. You know, a small boy was uh, told to go to bed by his father. He said, now, son, go to bed. It's time to go to bed. About five minutes later, he said, Dad, what? You bring me a drink of water? No, son, you had your chance. Go to sleep. About five minutes later, Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? I've been there, have you? I told you no. If you ask again, I'm going to come in there and spank you. About five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come to spank me, will you bring me a glass of water? That's thirsty right there. Next week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as oil. The Holy Spirit is oil. It's, a, it's actually Mission Sunday. There's a reason why the oil of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God's Spirit, and Mission Sunday are at the same time. You won't want to miss it either. When, 
when the, when the screen told us the sights and sounds and tastes, that was a literal statement. All of those things are true. Don't miss Mission Sunday next week. Nevertheless, today what we're going to do is we're going to examine the third of those, those symbols of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as fire. Fire. I want to begin with uh, these two passages of Scripture. Join with me, if you will. Uh, let's go, first of all, Nehemiah chapter 9, chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By the day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way that they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. Um, that scripture, of course, is from the flight of, of Israel out of Egypt. Now let's look at a New Testament scripture, Luke 24, 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. If you could go back 3,000 years in time to, let's say, the time of Solomon's temple, uh, if we could go to Jerusalem and go in the temple, the first thing we would really notice would probably be this seven-branch candlestick called a menorah. A menorah, it's, it's, uh, I think they may have a picture of a menorah up there. It, um, it was the thing that burned brightly in the, um, in the Holy of Holies, and no, in the holy place. And it was the only source of light in the temple itself, the only source. What's so neat about the menorah is it represented the presence of God among them. In fact, the priests were told, don't ever let the light of the menorah go out. Always make sure the candles are lit. Now, a hundred years before that, a hundred years before that, they were on their way to the promised land, and God had just taken them out of Egypt, and he let a pillar of fire lead the way for them. The pillar of fire led the way for them. And in fact, it gave them light at night. It stood between them and the Egyptians that were attacking them. What did that represent? What did that represent? It represented the Holy Spirit's presence, God's presence. I'll be with you. Moses went up on a mountain. The Bible says the mountain was covered with fire and smoke. He went up the mountain. The Bible says he actually saw God. He saw God face to face. When he came back down, his, his face was like singed. He, he had been with the fire of God. What does it represent? The presence of God. In the temple, the menorah, the presence of God. You see, fire represents that God's very presence is with us. God's very presence. Fire, the presence of God. 
During the 400 years, this is, this is so interesting to me. During the 400 years that were between Malachi and Matthew, there were no prophets in Israel. And during that 400-year time, a terrible thing happened. A, a, a very wicked, wicked, terrible uh, despot, uh, a conqueror named Antiochus Epiphanes. The word Epiphanes means bright, shiny one. Bright, just like Lucifer. Satan's name means bright and shiny one. This terrible tyrant came and went into the temple of God in Jerusalem. He wrecked the temple. He began offering pigs on the altar of God to Zeus, the Greek god, and he put out the light of the menorah. He put out the light. For 20-some-odd years, there was no light in the temple, and it was being desecrated. And then there was a revolt. The Jewish revolt happened, and uh, once they had driven Antiochus Epiphanes and his group out, they had to rededicate the temple. And guess how they did it? This is how they did it, to, to relight the presence of God in the temple and to celebrate God was back in his temple. They put lights, all they lit the menorah, but they had lights all over Jerusalem. Everyone was to put a light, put a light, a, a torch, a, a candle, a light, and supposedly the city glowed from a distance. Why? Because the presence of God was back with them. That's what it represented. And Jews to this day celebrate that. It's called Hanukkah. Ever heard of Hanukkah? It means the Feast of Lights. <clears throat> After Jesus' resurrection, when the day of Pentecost came, that same fire that was in the temple, the same fire that was on the mountain, the same fire that was in the pillar of fire, the same fire that the menorah represented, was in the upper room. The Bible says it was in the upper room and it was swirling above them and all of a sudden it exploded and it went in a million different directions. And the Bible says tongues of fire, that is not this, it's little projections of fire. It's like the ball of fire broke into a million pieces and went right down inside them, went on their heads and sort of whoop right into their bodies. The presence of God that used to be in the temple now is in us, God's people. We are now the dwelling place of the presence of God. Does that like blow your mind? That was God's initial and, and original idea. He wanted his presence to live in us, not just a place where we could go see it and experience it. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 6. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he is with you and shall be in you. Oh, good grief, yes. <laughs> he is with you. What do you mean he is with you? Well, Jesus was there. Jesus was God. Jesus was in the room. He said to his disciples, he's with you now. Voila. But soon he will be in you. And boy, that is a game changer right there. A complete game changer. That's what happened at the day of Pentecost. God came to them in fire to live inside of them. What a powerful truth. God in us. The fire of God. God's presence in us. All right, so it's obvious 
that fire represents God's presence. But why did God choose fire to represent that? That's sort of where I want to go today. I want you to listen carefully. I want to give you just two reasons, two pictures of fire that explain this. The first one is this. Fire enlightens. That, that's really a no-brainer. <laughs> fire brings light. It was obvious that the temple menorah, the pillar of fire by night, and Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The, the fire brings light to things. We use light when we want to see where we're going. We call for more light when we want to see things more clearly. You ever noticed how when you go to the dentist, the dentist pulls up this train lamp and puts it right in your face? Because he wants to be able to see all those nasty little things in your teeth. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the one that becomes our light. In, in Jesus, he said this. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Well, how are you going to see what your Father does? By Holy Spirit light showing you what the Father does. Showing you what the Father's going to do. It's We understand what God is doing by the Holy Spirit enlightenment in us. The Holy Spirit brings clarity. He brings confidence to us. He even brings joy to us. Do you remember the scripture I read out of Luke 24? And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us along the way and opened up the scriptures? It's not called heartburn. It's called enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that opens the scripture. He's the one that makes the Bible make sense to us. He's the one that does that. Hey, when you guys do soap, if you've made soap part of your life, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the revelation of what those things mean to you. It's a personal revelation he gives to you through the Holy Spirit. There are some people who live in the very north Arctic regions of the world, and um, they often do without the bright light of the sun for like six months of the year. Did you know that according to sociologists, the rates of alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, and suicidal mindsets are higher in those regions that do not have light for long periods of time. That's because there's a lack of light and it brings things in our lives. And so a lack of the Holy Spirit's light in us, it brings, it allows the enemy to work in darkness and to do terrible things in our minds and our hearts. But when the light comes, it changes everything. It changes lives and hearts. And introducing light through the Holy Spirit changes every situation. Hey, just injecting fire into anything will change it. It really will. I remember so vividly the Christmas of 1964. Some of you will remember maybe 64. But uh, I was eight years old, and uh, that year I got a brand new Huffy bicycle. And I think we have a picture of it. Folks, that was my bike. Now, see, see at the front, see the little, it, there's a, a battery-operated light on that front fender. High-tech heaven in 1964. I remember wanting to ride that thing at night just to turn that light on. And, of course, I left it out in the rain. The, the battery, it ruined the whole thing. Anyway, it worked for about the first week. It was awesome. That was my Huffy bike, eight years old. In fact, a lot of my friends in my neighborhood got bikes the same Christmas, probably a sale at the Ashland Western Auto Store. But for those days between Christmas and 
when school started back again in January, it was fun time for the kids on 3rd Avenue South. Oh, my goodness. We invented new ways to play with our bikes. We played cops and robbers. Anybody ever played cops and robbers on bikes? Oh, yeah, it's dangerous. We played cops and robbers. We played roller coaster. We played tank brigade. You know what that is when you just run into other people's bikes. And we used to get real creative and take our huffy bike, turn it upside down, turn the front wheels this way, spin the back wheel, and, and you're a speedboat. Whatever. Man, you could, you could have some big-time fun with the bike. Now, for a young boy, boys, men, you know this is true. For a young boy, there's only one thing he could possess that he would want more than a new huffy bike. A box of matches. Oh, yes. All of you grown-ups know what I'm talking about. A kitchen-sized box of matches. That opened up a whole new realm of possibilities. Bike plus fire equals fun. So there was this older boy. His name was Scott. Scott was blessed with a box of matches. Uh, he probably didn't get a bike. So Scott was older than us. I mean, so Scott came and he had invented a new game that we could play with our bike called Jet Bike. And this is what you do. All you have to do is to get a little, one of those little blue and yellow cans of Zippo cigarette lighter fluid. Anybody remember Zippo lighter fluid? Uh, and squirt it on your tire, light it. Go down the hill, you are going at least 20 times faster because you are jet propelled. So we spent all kind of time, he would squirt it on there, light it, man it was great. And, and absolutely, Scott knew what he was doing. He was older than we were. He was like practically an adult, 13. Well, eventually, the Zippo lighter fluid ran out. And Scott had another grand idea. Brilliant man he was. Gasoline. Yes, that would turn a Zippo jet bike into a supersonic jet bike. So, Scott ran home, came back with a can of gasoline. Who wants to go first? I'm one of the little kids. I went about to volunteer. But this guy named Waldo, we were doing all this in front of Waldo's house anyway. It was sort of on a, on a pretty steep hill. Waldo insisted on the honor of being first. Now, Scott, who was an expert in gasoline fires, knew not to light gasoline with a match. So he got all of us little kids to go get some pine straw and build a little fire in the middle of the street, just a little bit down the hill. And then he doused Waldo's tires, chain, and pedals with gasoline. And he said, Go that coast down the hill, go through the flame, and immediately you will experience an unforgettable jet bike ride. He did exactly what Scott told him, and you know exactly what happened. The whole bottom of, of his bike burst into, I mean, fully involved fire right there. In fact, the bottom of Waldo's blue jeans also was involved in the fire. So Waldo careens off to the side, into the ditch. He rolls around trying to put his legs out. And um, uh, he, he 
I ran into the woods with my friend Lee. We were gone, out. I knew, I knew that my parents would not think this was a good group of older boys to be hanging with. So I was gone. So um, Waldo's tires fully involved, smoke going everywhere, and kids scattered just all over the place. And uh, Waldo's mother probably saw out of the kitchen window, saw the smoke. She comes out on the porch to see what was going on. What happened? And Waldo, who knows that he's going to be in big trouble for this, goes, I had a wreck and my bike blew up. I don't know if his mother believed that, but his dad did not. Let's just say the rest of Scott's Christmas holiday was spent raking yards to pay for Waldo's new bike. You see, when you introduce fire in anything, it changes the whole situation. Needless to say, and so it is with the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing, reason why God chose fire to be a symbol of His Spirit. Because fire purifies when it burns. Of course we know fire purifies. It sterilizes. I mean, we boil water when you're on a camping trip. You don't want to die of some crazy bug in the water. You, in a pinch, you can sterilize a needle by just holding a match under it for a few seconds. Of course fire purifies. But I want you to look at this amazing passage from the book of Malachi. Malachi 3 for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. The Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. The Bible says he will be like a refiner's fire. Now that's totally different. A refiner's fire. A refiner's fire doesn't burn indiscriminately like a forest fire and just see what it can consume. A refiner's fire doesn't consume completely. A refiner's fire has a job. It purifies. It makes it better than it was in the first place. Like you, you um, melt down a bar of silver or gold and the refiner's fire gets the impurities out of it so that it is more pure silver and gold than it was before. The value goes up. And the dross is burned away. Yes, it does say fire, refiner's fire. And I want you to know fire is not always warm and comfortable. Sometimes you feel the heat. Sometimes it burns. That's because there are things that need to be burned away. As a child, we were told, don't play with fire. Don't play with fire. It's a good lesson because being a Christian, being a Christian is not a child's toy. It's real. Having an connection with God and His Holy Spirit is like serious business. Christianity is not a plaything. Our passion to be pure is not a flippant idea we have and give it away tomorrow. But God is like fire and He's serious business, especially when it comes to refining us. He is a refiner's fire. It's not just a word of warning. He never wants to destroy us with it. He wants to make us the best we can be. There was a story told um, by a lady named Sarah Corson. Sarah, I knew her. She and her husband had been missionaries in Cuba before Castro came. 
And she was an older lady, had been retired for a while when I got to know her. And uh, Sarah Corson told the story that uh, she had read this scripture in Malachi, and she said she, was, she wondered about, well, what does it take to refine silver? So in Havana, she looked up a silversmith and went and sat with the silversmith and said, I just want to see you do your work. She watched the silversmith hold a piece of silver over a fire and let it heat up. He said that when you refine silver, you need to hold silver in the hottest part of the flame, right in the middle where the flame is the hottest, in order to burn away its impurities. Sarah thought about how God holds us the same way in the refiner's fire. She remembered the scripture literally said, he will sit, he will sit as a silversmith refining the silver. And she noticed he was sitting there doing that for a long period of time. And she asked him, is that true? Why are you sitting there holding the silver so long? He said, oh, I have to keep my eyes on the silver all the time. Because if I hold it for one moment more than it's supposed to be, it can destroy the silver. It can completely destroy it and ruin it. I have to know. I have to know at the right moment. She said, how, do, how will you know when the silver is refined? He said, oh, that's easy. That's easy. I can see my image in it. Think about it, folks. That sends chills up my back when I think about it. He will sit in our lives as a refiner's fire, and he will hold us over the fire not to hurt us, but to develop us, and he's not finished until we look like him. Until he sees the image of himself in us. That's the Holy Spirit's job. To be the refiner's fire in our life. To keep his watchful eye on us. Not to destroy us. To bring us to the place where we bear the image of Christ. To finally capture the best we were created to be. It's the Holy Spirit that takes us to that place and through that process. It's the Holy Spirit that refines us into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is like fire in our lives. Part of that refining as well is to get us ready to be used. Tonight at Soak, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to just share a moment before our prayer time about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And fire, the scripture says, to get you ready for God to use you, for God's presence to be so real inside of you that you can now allow that presence to do something on the outside of you, to be equipped to be ready to be a servant. So far this month, we've seen three pictures of the Holy Spirit. The first his wind, as we surrender our lives to him and say, God, fill my sail and take me whatever direction you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Secondly, we saw him as water. And we've said, oh God, I'm thirsty. Make me thirstier. God, quench my thirst that I can have not a substitute, but the real thirst quencher, water of the Holy Spirit. And today, we've seen him as fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit is God's presence. He enlightens us and He purifies us, not to destroy us, but to make us in His image. This morning, 
I believe that the light of the Holy Spirit, literally at this moment, while you're listening, is opening your minds up to something you hadn't thought about before. I've asked the Holy Spirit to do that today, and I believe He's doing that. Right now, He is enlightening some of you, and you have said, I, I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that. I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that, that helps me understand Scripture. I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that, that's like fire refining me and changing me. I don't, I, I don't have that. I don't know what you're talking about. But you're drawn to it. Right now, the menorah of God's presence in this room is beginning to enlighten you. And you're beginning to open up your mind and open up your eyes. And you're beginning to see maybe what God has for you. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm not here by accident. Some of you right at this moment are saying, my heart is burning within me. Because I want to know. I want to experience the Holy Spirit as fire. I want that. You know he's calling you. You're like the ones on the road to Emmaus. All of a sudden you're going, oh, my heart is burning on the inside. That's what I want from God. I don't know that I've ever had that or I haven't had it in a long time. Right now, you're feeling the call to allow him to work inside of you, to give him permission to refine you. Did you hear me use that word permission? We sang about it in the, in the worship today. I give you permission what? We give God permission? Yes, you have to give God permission. Here's why. God does not force himself on anyone. The reason there will, there will be people who will spend eternity away from God in hell is because God does not force himself on people. He waits for them to open up something to him. He's been drawing you. Oh, yes. He's been drawing you since the day you drew your first breath. He's been drawing you. But he needs your response to him. And the Holy Spirit is the one who draws you. And today, even those of you who are saved, you say, well, I know I've got God living inside. I mean, sure you do. But the Holy Spirit is now asking you to give him permission to refine you. And your heart's burning on the inside. And you're going, oh, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I need. Today, it's about giving God the keys to the rest of your life. It's about giving Him the key to your filing cabinet of secrets. It's about giving Him the combination to that lock on your heart. It's about giving Him a wide door, a wide open door to begin working His perfect will in you. Today, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You may have had a million experiences with the Holy Spirit or you may never have had any. But the invitation to you is going to be the same thing. Will you give permission to God do what, for God to do what He wants to do in your life? Today, will you invite the refiner's fire to hold you over the flame with His watchful eye and say, God, don't stop until you see yourself in me. That's the Holy Spirit as fire. That's the Holy Spirit as fire. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. 
I, I don't I think today for our response I've got, I'm going to ask you to think about something first do I really really want to be in the image of Jesus do I really really want to be the very best God created me to be do I, do I really want to find that out do I want to give give God permission to actually do something in me to refine me and make me more like Jesus do I really want that some of you would answer I don't know if I do or not this is when you pray God I want to want to do that help me yes I believe but help my unbelief now let's take it another step are you willing to verbally with your actions say God I give you permission to begin the refining process in me to enlighten and refine me by your Holy Spirit I'm ready to not walk around talking about the presence but having the presence of God in me forever now step three in a moment when they begin to sing and I'm going to have you stand I'm not going to ask you to come and specifically meet with anybody at the front. Prayer team, I'm going to ask you to be a part of the congregation right now. I'm going to ask you if you would make the move to say, God, I want to give you permission to refine me. Holy Spirit, I open myself up to your fire. In a moment, I'm going to call you and I'm going to ask you just to come and stand in the front. There's something I want to show you here. Would you stand with me? Lord, I'm feeling your call to be refined. And I give you permission to do that work in me. If that's you, no matter how old or young you are in Christ, if that's you, would you say yes by stepping out coming and gathering in the front. Now, if you're saying yes to that, come on. I give you permission. I give you permission. I give you permission. I give you permission. Holy Spirit, do this 
this in me. This moment could be what I just did. And look, it's burning brightly. Jesus, do this in me. Do this in me, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for everyone that's here. If you'll just raise your hand to heaven for a moment. Father, for everyone that's here, Lord, they're surrendering with their arms up, saying, God, I give you permission to light that fire under the silver of my life and purify me. God, to get rid of the dross, to get rid of that which lacks. Lord, I give you permission. Lord, I don't just give you permission. I beg of you, light the fire inside me. Light the fire around me, God. I'm ready. I'm ready for renewal. I'm ready for something to happen. I'm ready for the fire of God. I don't feel it now. I don't even know it all. But I want to, Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. Now with your own words, just whisper, talk out loud, whatever. You just say, God, I give you permission to refine me. Say it. Lord, I give you permission to refine me. Lord, I give you permission to refine me. I give you permission for the fire of God to refine me. I give you permission. I give you permission. I give you permission. Thank you, Jesus. Everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble. Some of you, this is your night. 
I remember in, in the month of October, I remember going up to a young man. Uh, he actually is in heaven today, Daniel Headley. And I remember saying to him, he said, I don't think I've ever felt God before, but I want to. And I said, I remember going up to him and saying, tonight is the night you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, I, I remember standing right where you are, right where you are, Chase. I remember Pastor Ron Cox walked over to him and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I remember I went over to him afterwards and I said, what happened? He goes, I've never felt God, but I did today. And I said, what happened to you? He said, all the junk just went up. And the next thing I knew, I was talking to God in a language I didn't know. I remember that. And it was it wasn't, it wasn't even a full month that he was with the Lord. I'll tell you something, guys. The Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. Fire! Some of you, tonight is your night. Don't you miss it. I love you guys and I thank you so much for listening today. Thank you.